if you will, this morning, turn with me to our text, which will be found in the 130th Psalm, verses 3 and 4. That's Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Let us pray. O Lord, what a great, precious, holy, and just Lord that thou art. We thank thee, O Lord, that thou hast brought us here today. We pray, O Lord, that it is for the reason to worship you in spirit and in truth. Pray, O Lord, that thy spirit would speak to us this day, that thou would reveal thyself to us, that thou would draw us close to thee, and Lord, that you would be glorified. May you speak to us this day through this text, through this psalm, as you spoke to yours many years ago. O Lord, may you be glorified this day. To thee be all glory. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a week ago yesterday, Stephanie and I uh, celebrated our anniversary and we went over to the beach for one night and we got up Saturday morning and um, in the past we have uh, endeavored to get up early and take our chairs and walk down to the beach and sit and watch the water come in and, uh, and it's a very precious time with, our, with the Bibles and we read together. And that day, Saturday morning, the Lord's providence was this psalm, Psalm 130. As I sat there, as I listened to her reading and the text that the Lord has chosen today, three and four, when she got to three and four, I looked out at the vastness of the water as I sat there and I thought that it represented all of my iniquities. I even made that comment to her. I said, you know, I, I believe that that sin is rampant in every person and, and that we continuously sin over and over and it magnifies the great mercy and grace of the Lord. When we come to the word of God and like, like we are this morning and we have this question in front of us in verse three that David asked, he said, Lord, if you marked iniquities, if you... If you sat there and held every one of our sins against us. I told you when I was raised in a Methodist church, I was taught and I had this great idea of God that he that he had this big chalkboard up there and and uh, he'd keep track of the good things that I would do and the bad things that I would do. And and when I was real young, I thought I was a good little boy and I thought that was OK. But as I started to grow older and the Lord gave me more of an awareness of sin and what it was, um, that wasn't good. It wasn't good to know that on this side would be the good things and on this side would be the bad things because if the Lord did mark those iniquities, the psalmist asked, Lord, who shall stand? Who shall stand this day? Who can stand before you, Lord, today? Who could stand before you if you marked every one of our iniquities? And on that day, the Lord comes and there's a judgment day, who will be able to stand before him? Who could possibly stand on that day? And the psalmist is asking that question. Lord, if you marked iniquities, if all of our sins were cataloged in your mind, if you held every one of those sins against us, which person, who on this earth 
could possibly stand before him. I, I, I thought about that deeply as we sat there and, and as we spoke to each other about what the word meant to us and, and the preciousness of this psalm. Um, that was what was impre impressed upon me. It was impressed upon me the great, the, as vast as all those sins are, as vast as that sea is, it is as great and as deep as his grace is. As great as his love is, this it's immeasurable. How wonderful and how merciful and how long suffering the Lord is toward his people. How great that love is to that that and the and the efficacy of the blood to cover every one of those sins. And and that's a it's a great undertaking. And when the Lord impressed that upon me, I I knew that this was the text that the Lord would choose for today. Um Although I didn't know the depth of it or where we would be heading. I know that this psalm is entitled a song of degrees. And there's like 12 or 13 of them in a row that David wrote. That's, and it means a, a song of ascents. And it's, it's soul work. It talks about how the soul is laid low and then how the soul comes up and how it's brought up. And I, I've always marveled at this psalm because when you, when you look at the beginning of the psalm and you think about what... The, the soul is going through the desperateness that the soul is saying and and what how he's crying out he's brought the cry out to the lord and then right in the middle of it we hear the message of the gospel and that's the same way it is in you and i our life every day as the lord is pleased to come with power and to reveal to us the efficacy of his blood the depth of his love to put away those sins to reveal to us that all of those sins are not cataloged against us that every one of those sins, and don't miss this because that's what the religious world misses today. It's not that God just looked and looked away from them. It's not that he said they didn't mean anything. It's that they've been punished. They've been dealt with. They've been dealt with in his blessed son. His precious son. And that's what we celebrate today. That's what I pray as the Lord reveals in this psalm. As we do see the ups and downs of it, I, I, I find in this life that when things are going well in the days of prosperity, in the, th in the way that when we're strong, our prayers come from our lips. Their lips of their prayers of praise, their prayers of. But when the Lord takes our soul down and he reveals to us what we really are. When we, when we see what we are without Him, when we see the great depth of what He's done, those, soul, those prayers are birthed from the soul. Deep in the soul. Deep in the heart. Deep within the inner man. And that's what we see in David. Sometimes I lose sight of that. I've always, I've always been drawn to the Psalms because David goes through a lot of things and when the Lord reveals himself to David that way, he's revealed himself to me that way. And I say, oh, I have kinship there. The same spirit that lives within me lived within David. So David understood when the Lord said to him and revealed to him the depth of his need of a savior is the same that you and I feel today. And we'll look at that today in, in different saints and, and how the Lord did that. And how he brought, and, and I, I think sometimes we lose sight that this book, this precious book, is filled with sinners. From, from the beginning of the cover to the end, every character, every person, 
every being that breathes any breath in here is a sinner. And that's why this is his story. This is a story of redemption. This is the, the text that revealed that Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins. He came to put all those sins away. He came to, to make sure those sins were not mine. So, if you will, let's begin at verse 1 and 2, and then we'll go right into our text. But 1 and 2 tells us what's going on in the soul. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Out of the depths of my soul. This isn't a flippant prayer. It isn't one that, you know, sometimes we have prayers that the Lord brings in our soul and ushers them when we're in that time of need. There's a pressing need right on us. It's a fear or it's a it's a pain or and we cry out to the Lord to undertake for us in that that situation. And and blessed be the Lord that he's faithful to cause that, to cause us to cry out for him for comfort at that time. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the soul that's in distress. And in our text this morning, verse three tells us why it's in distress. You know, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. David used that word supplications to, to show us a deeper, a much deeper prayer, if you will. And you know, if you're, you're exercised in a prayer life, when the Lord births prayers in your soul, you know the difference. You know that there's those quick prayers that ask the Lord for to beseech and undertake for him and to do that. But you also know these. We're in that time where the Lord meets us and sets us in that place. And, and when he shines the light of his holiness, and I want you to understand, that's what we see today in this text, the holiness of the Lord. How holy and just and good and righteous and loving and everything that is magnified is magnified in the Lord God, Jehovah. It's magnified in His Son. It's magnified in the Holy Spirit, the triune Lord. So we see at the beginning of our text, before our text this morning, we see the soul's position. We see it's humbled. We see that it is in a, a destitution. It's in a time that, that it needs the Lord to come with the balm in Gilead, to come with the blood, to come with power, to to lift that soul out of the mire and set him in that place where he only sees his Lord. And when he looks up, he sees the Lord reigning. And when he sees the Lord reigning, he knows he's reigning over sin because his blood covered it. He's reigning over providence because everything is in his hands. He's reigning over every political realm in this country today because he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's where the child of God is brought to in the destitution of his soul. And he, he's called in the desperation to cry out to the Lord. And then on verse 3 is when the Lord, in the beginning of our text, starts to reveal in a question. And he brings David to, to cry out to him. And he says, Lord, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, if you held every one of them, and if you demanded justice in me for every one of them, I'd be dead. I'd be gone. I would long be gone. I would be destroyed. I would be. But that's not how the Lord looks upon our sin. He, he saw it punished in his son. 
He saw the debt paid for in his son. And this question, I, I wonder as we come to this question, have you ever pondered that question? Has the Lord ever brought you, your soul to this state where you looked at your members and you looked as, as uh, the Apostle Paul did and he said, you know, in this flesh dwells no good thing. There is a part of me today that sins constantly. There is a part of me today that wants to walk like the world. There's a part of me today that lusts after the things in the world. There's a part of me today that wants to bring something to God in a religious way that God will accept on my behalf. There's something in me today that desires things to not be the way they are revealed in this book. That He's done it all. That He's paid the price. That He's obeyed every jot and tittle of the law. That when he said it is finished, that the child of God, salvation and everything in their life is finished in Christ. There's something in us. There's that man of sin, if you will, that continues to look and to strive after the flesh and walk after the flesh over and over and over again. And never gets better, never gets reformed. Never starts to dissipate. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who mortifies. Who puts down. Who applies his blood. Who applies faith to see the cross. He gives us faith to believe that he is. And that's the one thing you see at the end of verse 4 today. There is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. That's a very key part to this today. So as we look at this question, as we ponder this question, it, this whole text shows us the depth of the holiness of God, the holiness of the Lord, and our desperate need of Him. I wanted to look at a few scriptures this morning, and I'll read them just to remind us. And this should be just a reminder to us as we sit there today. This shouldn't be anything new. The Lord in his faithfulness reveals this to the child of God over and over. That's what I said. As I sat there on that shoreline, that's what the Lord was taking me down to. My dependency. And Stephanie and I had great kinship in that and great union in speaking about how far short we fall even in, in our marriage as parents, as whoever it is we are. And how great the Lord is. How great this God is to cover those sins. And that one day we will stand in his righteousness, clothed in his righteousness. If the father looks down upon us today, we're in his righteousness. And so we have these these things and these verses and these texts in the word of God to remind the child of God who he is. Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things. So yes, it is. I've, I've learned that the Lord, the, the Lord has taught me that there's a part of me that's deceitful above all things. But that ain't all he said. He says it's desperately wicked. And then those qualifying words, who can know it? Can you and I know it? Can we know it in and of ourselves? 
Can we reform our self-righteousness? Can we reform our pride? Absolutely not. All of us can see that in one another. We can see the pride of others. We can see the self-righteousness in others. We can see the sins in others, but we can't see them in ourselves. Until the Lord in His great mercy comes and says, Thou art the man. And reveals to us how we've sinned against Him. And reveals to us how desperately wicked this, this heart is. The heart of the old nature. The heart of the old man. David in Psalm 51, 5 said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David knew that the Lord revealed to him early, you have an old nature in you, David. And it isn't something that you just learned. It's something that you were born with. In Psalm 58, 3, he says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. That's our, that nature in ours. You ever, were, all of the parents in this room, you ever wonder when you were bringing up your children, you never, ever had to teach them how to lie. You never had to teach them how to be deceitful. You never had to teach. What we had to teach was what the Word of God said. What is pleasing to God. What is holiness? What is right? What is wrong? From the time they were born, from that first breath, and you and I too, from that first breath where we cried out because we wanted something, we've been estranged from the womb. Nobody taught me how to lie. I've been lying since I was a young child. That was, that was I didn't see anybody else do it. That was something in me because of my fallen nature. It was easier to get away with whatever I got away with and to be deceitful. That's what Jeremiah is saying. That's what David is saying. And I know you think, wow, that's just not a pretty picture. The Bible does not paint a pretty picture of fallen man. They're fallen. They're, they're away from God. They know nothing of righteousness. That is the true biblical picture of how we are and how a part of us always will be. And that is why the child of God, as he grows in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, desires to leave this tabernacle, desires to leave this, this flesh behind him. Because he knows it won't inherit the kingdom of God. He knows that, that that part will never be raised again. Praise be to God that it won't. And so we have these scriptures pointing to us. And we have all of these things that show us. How the Lord looked from heaven. We have that in Psalm and we have it in Romans. When Paul quoted the Lord looked down from heaven and he saw that there was none good. There was none that doeth good. No, not one. Not one. Those are powerful words to me. Powerful. Powerful words that in the, in the best day that I ever have in my life. My life here on earth. The best day I ever have. I'm still a sinner. 
I'm still a sinner in need of grace. Applied grace. Applied blood. For the Lord to reveal himself to me. How great is the Lord. And then as we transition past this question, who shall stand? When when the Lord has revealed to David how wicked he is and and how. Christ must increase and he must decrease. How any of our righteousnesses are filthy rags. All of those righteousnesses, that's plural. All of the ones we try to conjure up or to build up in ourselves. All of them are rejected. There's one righteousness. And that's the Lord our righteousness. Lord Jesus Christ. So then as we come to four. We have that transition word but. It's like all of a sudden. David is speaking the truth. This is the way it is. This is the absolute truth of the word. Lord I'm nothing without you. I'm a depraved sinner. When left to explore the depth of my depravity, I can go as far as as depravity goes. I can commit murder. I can commit adultery. I can have all these thoughts. Jesus told us that even the thoughts of it are the committing of the sin. It shows not only shows the greatness of our depravity, but it shows that Greatness and the power of his blood to cleanse us. The greatness of his grace. But there is forgiveness with thee. What, a, what an altering event. What a, what a difference in the day of the Lord's power. What, what, a, what a transformation. To be in the soul depths. To see yourself as just nothing but iniquity. And then to see that the Lord has put that away. But there's forgiveness with thee. Lord, there's forgiveness with you. No other. There's forgiveness with you. That's why David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. When the Lord revealed that to David. David was shown who he was sinning against. But what we have in this, in this who shall stand and that there is forgiveness, we have the blessedness of the holiness of God shown to us. The Lord revealed to his prophet Habakkuk these words in chapter 1, verse 13. He said, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. And you cannot, you can't not look upon iniquity. That's how holy God is. That's how holy and just, His justice must be satisfied. That's how holy He is that His blessed only begotten Son, as He sat there and became sin for us, for every child of God, as he stood in our place as a substitute, the father forsook him, could not look upon him because his eyes are purer than to behold what Christ had become for his people. 
that shows me the depth, and I, I can't even fathom it, of how holy God is. And for us to entertain thoughts that God measures sin in a way that this sin's worse than this one is ludicrous. Not biblical. Or to look at or to look at God that he winks at sin in us because it's a white lie as opposed to us murdering someone. That's how holy he is. We measure it because of how we look at things. But that's not how holy God is. He poured out his wrath on his own son. Justice must be satisfied. And it was perfectly in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's no other way. There would never be no other way. Adam, as our head, stood for us in that garden and he could not keep from sinning as sin was entered into the world. And he was made upright. He wasn't formed in iniquity as you and I are. What a depth of grace. What a depth of holiness the Lord is. And there's forgiveness with that Lord. There's forgiveness. There's a way that those sins are put away and not marked. Yes. He's made that way in His Son. He is reigning today with His Son sitting on the right hand of Him. The Son that He has eternal love for. He didn't forsake Him forever. He couldn't look upon what He'd become until the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with Praise be to God. This is our Lord and our Savior. There is forgiveness with thee. And Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us. For the church. He made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we, the church, might be made the righteousness of God. You know all those righteousnesses that are filthy rags? Those are nothing. But we are made the righteousness of God. The purity of the righteousness of God in Him. In Christ. That's what we have in Christ. How great is His Savior. How great is His holiness. Peter said this in Acts 5.31, Him, speaking of Christ, hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Paul wrote in Ephesians 1.7, In whom, the Lord Jesus Christ, we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. No other way. That's it. That's by grace. Grace always takes the sinner out of it. Any works of the sinner out of it. And replaces it with all of him. All what he has done. When Peter denied Christ three times after, after saying he never would. And as he was fleeing and cursing the name of the Lord and the cock crew, 
The Lord in that infinite mercy looked upon Peter. And then later, when he told him to go and tell the disciples, he called Peter by name. There's forgiveness for thee. But he denied Christ three times right there in front of the world. But there's forgiveness for thee. David, as we said with Bathsheba and, and with Uriah, what is it that Nathan the prophet said to him? David said, David said to Nathan, after Nathan said, Thou art the man. And when the Holy Spirit revealed to David what he'd done, how he'd sinned against the Lord, David said these words in 2 Samuel 12, 13. I've sinned against the Lord. What else can you say? You're guilty. But the Lord showed him that. You're guilty. I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, this is the gospel. The Lord also hath put away thy sin. He's put it away. That's what, that's what he's revealing to David in this psalm. That's what David knew. David was revealed to him. My sin has been put away. There's forgiveness with thee. And thou shalt not die. See, the wages of sin is death. Has the Lord taught you that? Has He taught you that the wages of your sin is death? But the gift of God is eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ our Lord. In this blood, in this perfect obedience, in this robe of righteousness. And speaking of that robe, you ever, let's turn over there real quick to Luke 15. So let's ponder this, these words for a minute, just at the end of the prodigal. I mean, we know the account. And I might add there all the parables there, the three of being lost and how the Lord restored. But look, look at verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, this is there's forgiveness with thee. You remember he rehearsed that speech and he said, you know, he came to himself. Oh, there's bread. Christ said, there's bread. Come to me. I will draw, draw all men unto me. Every one of his. And that one was sitting there slopping the pigs. Whoa, there's bread in my father's house. That's grace. And as he came to father, he said he rose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him because there's forgiveness with thee. There wasn't a reprimand for the sin. The sin's been dealt with. The sin's been put away. There's forgiveness with thee. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And it's true. That's to us over and over. Lord, I've sinned against you again. I'm not worthy to be your son. My worthiness isn't worthy. But Christ's is. I'm a son because of his worthiness. Not because of mine. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. Bring forth the robe of righteousness. Put it on him. Put a ring of love upon his hand. Put shoes on his feet that will eternally keep him. 
Then we see in verse 23 a reminder that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. He doesn't pardon just because he does. He pardons from his justice and mercy that kiss each other perfectly in his holiness. While we're still roaming around, turn back with me to Micah 7. Micah chapter 7. Micah's going to have kind of a similar question at the end of his book. Micah 7, 18 and 19, he says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? What other of these stone gods could ever do that? None of them can. Who is a God like unto thee that is so merciful, who's long-suffering toward us, that pardons iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever. He poured that anger out on his son. Because he delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. That little word all. You're going to see it a couple times today. In these last scriptures. All our sins. If you're like me. Sometimes you think. That there's something you've done. That will estrange you forever. From the Lord. There's something you've thought. There's something you've done. That brings so much shame to yourself. That you feel like. Lord certainly couldn't pardon that. That's in our carnal mind. And then the Lord comes. And applies salvation. And applies our text today. There is forgiveness with thee. And he applies that to our soul. To show us. That there is forgiveness. In him and him alone. That we've sinned against him. In him alone. His holiness. Yes our sins are manifested against one another here. And those sins are against the Lord. For he has commanded us to love one another. Those sins are against the Lord. And then this last clause of our text today. That thou mayest be feared. That thou Lord mayest be feared. It's, it's the work of of what this pardon, the fruit of it is. The fruit of the Spirit reveals to us the fear of the Lord. The great fear that the Lord said in Jeremiah 32, 40, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts. That they shall not depart from me. I don't know how many sins I've been kept from because of the fear of the Lord. One day I believe the Lord will reveal that. The greatness of his mercy to preserve the saint 
from many, many, many sins. As great as our sins are, the fear of the Lord is the great deterrent to sin. There is a forgive, but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. That's the effect of pardon. Fear of sinning against the Lord, fear of, of, of this reverential fear. How, how can I sin against one that has been so good to me? Who has done everything for me? Who has laid down his life for me? Who has paid the price of my debt with his blood? How? That's the reverential fear that works hand in hand with the love of God. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. And then the rest of our psalm goes this way. Now we see the fruit of the Spirit in David. We see the, the Spirit revealing to David. Now he's been pardoned. The Lord has put it away. And now the Spirit brings out what? The fruit of patience. The fruit of hope. As you see, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. Well, David... Three verses ago, your soul was in great desperation. Your soul could do nothing but cry out and say, Lord, save me. Lord, hear my voice. Lord, hear. But that's the, that's the mercy of the Lord to meet us. That is the great grace to reveal what the Lord has done. And when the Lord reveals that to us, then our soul is singing praise. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. Word that he reveals in these scriptures and in the word that is Christ Jesus. Oh, my soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. You know, they get up early and they or they wait and they'd go out and they'd see the, the noon day and they'd have their day all in, in, impressed upon them what was going to happen or They'd be the watchmen that would go and they would be the ones that would be time for them to watch the sea and they'd have great anxiety or great to get in skirt. But my soul waits more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. So that's how great the hope and the waiting, the patience, the fruit of the Spirit to make us wait upon the Lord to come and apply salvation, to come and apply Christ to come and apply the life of Christ in our soul with power. Oh, let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. And with him is plenteous redemption. And you know what, dear ones? We need plenteous redemption because we need it over and over. We can't be told one time. We can't say, well, he did it one time. Oh, he tells us over and over again. Because this old nature continues to sin. And the new nature cries out for the Lord to reveal to us the depth of his salvation. And he does. He's faithful and just to do so. If we forget, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he shall redeem Israel. There's this word again. From all his iniquities. Every one of them. 
Every one of every time you've ran away from the Lord, every time you've been hardened against the Lord, every time you've hidden from the Lord, every time you've thought hard, mean things against this God. He shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. I'd like you to leave you today with the words of Paul to Titus in chapter 2. You go with me over to chapter 2. Just begin in verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. And it has. It has appeared to every one of his elect. The Lord reveals salvation to every one of them. Not one of them will leave this earth without the revelation of Christ saving them from his sins. This is what the salvation in Christ teaches us this is what grace teaches us this is what there is forgiveness with thee teaches us teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world looking for what looking for a transaction we can perform looking for our duty, looking for the fruit that we just gave as Cain gave to God and said, here's my, here's my sacrifice, accept it. Looking for that blessed hope. The hope that's in Christ Jesus, the hope of glory, Christ in our soul. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that he might redeem us from what? All iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people. Zealous of good works. Oh, we're zealous of his work. I, that's one thing the Lord has shown me in my life. I desire so much for the Lord to be glorified in what he's done in each one of you. And in me also. For the Lord to be glorified. The Lord. What a great work of the Lord. Look what the Lord has done. Look at the faithfulness of the Lord. Because he is so faithful to his children. Our text one more time. Psalm 130. Verses 3 and 4. If thou Lord. If thou Lord should mark iniquities. O Lord who shall stand. But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Dear Heavenly Father, have thy power and thy mercy revealed to us thy great justice and how it was satisfied in thy Son. Reveal to us thy great forgiveness, O Lord. Show us out of thy goodness the repentance that you give thy people. And may our lips of praise honor and glorify you for great things thou hast done. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.